All right, guys, welcome in to episode number 337 of Marching's Madness, presented by CollegeHoopsWatch.com. I am your host, Blake Lovell. Usually with me is my co-host, Ken Cross. We're recording separately today. Yes, Ken had a chance to catch up with our featured guest, and that is North Texas head coach Grant McCaslin. Um, they had a chance to catch up last week, which was right after uh, the main Greens victory there over Louisiana Tech on Thursday. They've since played a game since then. As we know, they got another big victory as they were able to beat Southern Miss on Saturday to move to 3-0 in Conference USA play. Uh, now a 15-1 start for uh, Grant McCaslin's team, and uh, they are a lot of fun to watch right now with their lone loss coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, so they have a lot of positive momentum, and they are trying to keep things rolling here uh, as they will now prepare for a matchup at UTEP on Thursday. But they had a chance to catch up and talk about this great start for this team uh, and really why and how they've been able to do it uh, with lots of guys on the roster able to step up and just really their their philosophy on both sides of the court, how that's paying off for them this season and just being able to build uh, the positive momentum after finishing in such a strong way last year uh, in the postseason and how that's helped them uh, going into this year. So without any further ado, here is the conversation with North Texas head coach Grant McCaslin. We are back on the Marching to Madness College Basketball Podcast with a very special guest, Coach Grant McCaslin of the North Texas Mean Green, who have fashioned a 14-1 start here uh, as we go forward now into the Conference USA season. Coach, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, definitely. Uh you know, you, you you guys weathered a comeback, I think, from Louisiana Tech last night. How is this type of start? You know, it, it, it ties the best start uh, in the history of the program, which actually happened 66 years ago. So how has it been even better than you could imagine? Well, I you know, as a basketball coach, um, you know you're only as good as your next win. So what we've really tried to keep our focus on is, is getting better. And I know that's what everybody says, but, you know, when you say it's as good as you can imagine, I think you kind of think through that when the season's over. And right now we're just imagining about how to set our man up better when we come off a ball screen or how to do a better job of guarding a roll and replace. And, you know, as a team, that's kind of where our, our, our mindset's been. Um, and, and we've got a tough-minded group. I mean, our guys are excited about 14-1, and but I think they also, you know, we've won some really close games. It's not like we're just beating people by 30. And so we've – I think there's a clear – hopefully we've made it clear as a staff and as a program that our improvement is more significant than our record and uh, we can get a lot better. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I was looking through some of the clips and I noted that, uh, you know, everybody was in agreement that it was a big win last night. You know, transitioning, I guess, into the uh, uh, second phase of the basketball season, which is conference play. Yeah, I mean, we, we it's definitely uh, got some attention, you know, with within – uh, kind of our fan base and our recruitment, I think there's some excitement that was built up from last year and our finish. And really, we didn't finish well. We lost, you know, five or six games by a couple of points. It came down to one possession, some really good, tough home losses. And uh, and then we made that CBI run. We kind of started to separate ourselves. And, I, you know, I'm thankful because, you know, it hadn't been a ton of success, but, 
you know, Coach Benford and, and Coach Jones, two of the guys that I've actually known, did a, did a great job getting talent in here. Coach Jones went to a couple of NCAA tournaments. So our fan base does have some expectation. Um, but it was nice just to kind of see the excitement going into conference play. Last night we had a great crowd, and I think a lot of people appreciate good basketball here. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you how winning the CBI and not only winning it, but winning it there at the Super Pit, how much of that was a springboard into, you know, maybe a 14-1 and one beginning? Uh, honestly, it was hugely significant. Uh, you know, the starting group that played through that CBI, we made a, a lineup change going into it, and that starting group has been the group that's basically started for a majority of the games minus Roosevelt Smart, who got hurt for six games, but we brought him back. We've had that same starting guy. They have such a cohesive uh, uh, spirit about them when they play, and they like the game of basketball. They like playing for each other. They love to compete, and they, they love uh, – they love the opportunity to play the game. So, you know, it's definitely been a big reason why that we've had success and give our university credit because, you know, it's a financial sure. uh, obligation to play in those. And, you know, it took some backing and we had to move some things around that we had already scheduled for our, our Coliseum and they had to move those. And that was a university task. And then on top of that, um, we went to Italy this summer, and so we got the time to spend doing that. We've never gone on a trip like that in the history of the university. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of firsts going on, and, and really there's an investment on that side, and that's probably been just as significant as what we're doing on the basketball court. You know, when you came in there, obviously, you know, you, you wanted to change things, uh, you know, to, to get the program moving. What did you have to change culturally there? Well, I mean, I, I think people are getting used to different playing different styles, and they played fast. They were aggressive offensively, and I love that part of it. And they they switched defenses and played different ways defensively, which we, you and I both know. I mean, uh, I was at Baylor for mm-hmm. five years as an assistant, and learned a ton. Coach Drew's zone, who held uh, Arizona to forty points, and and Oregon to forty points the other day. You know, it's really good. I mean, it can be a a tough thing to play against. Um, but they played a lot of different zone. I'm just not really a zone guy. Mm-hmm. And so really was just trying to implement some defensive principles uh, that I thought were really important. And then maybe a little more ball control offensively. You know, those are kind of the basketball parts to it. Um, but really it was just about um, – you know, believing that at North Texas we can play for a national championship. And not to say you can't, but unfortunately when you lose some games, it makes it difficult maybe to have that kind of expectation. And first of all was to get them to believe we could do it. And then second of all was just to learn to practice differently and what we felt like was important and valuing the things that culturally we feel like are important, not that they're any better or any worse than anybody's, but, you know, more significant to what we're doing. And, and then in the end that you got to take an inordinate amount of uh, effort to love and care for your teammates more than you care for your own individual accomplishments. And, and uh, just that we would serve each other and love each other and care about each other more than just basketball. And that that would translate uh, to a different belief and an understanding that winning is not just what you do on the court, but how you approach every day in life. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about your defense and those principles. You guys uh, right now are giving up 61 points per game, only 39.7% from the field. Talk a little bit about your philosophy and, you know, what, what's working really well on the defensive end for you. Yeah, good question. Well, we've got a, we've got a staff, Dream Dowling, uh, Matt Breyer, and uh, – and Ross Hodge, who's the associate head coach, and Ross is one of the best defensive coaches I've ever been around. Um, he, he, he was a junior college head coach when we were in junior college at the same time at Paris when I was at Midland. And if you go look at his record, he's won like 90% of the games that he's coached in. I mean, really unbelievably wow. good. So, honestly, i got to give a lot of credit to those guys, and specifically Ross Hodge because of his – because of his understanding of like what what winning's about, first of all, and you know I think the big thing it all starts with guarding the ball. You and I both know that you got to do a good job on the ball, and you can do it different ways. You can force it, and make them run into help. We're more of a straight up keep the ball in front uh, type of defense. Um, we try to have great gap presence to keep deterring the ball from getting into the paint, and then ultimately. You know, kind of our ball screen coverage is 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 more uh, of kind of a zone flat hedge, if you will, and right. just try to really do a good job of keeping the ball in front because we're not big and we're small. We're one of the shortest teams in the country, so in order to make sure that we rebound it, it's really got to stay in between the basket uh, and the ball, and try to do our best to make them shoot contested ones over the top of us, and then rebound it. Last year, our two-point percentage was terrible. And our three-point percentage was good, and that was just, you know, based off the fact that we were really young in the inside, and felt like our guard play was probably good enough to at least try to, but we just couldn't affect shots at the rim. And really, it's just predicated on doing a great job out on the ball and trying to really stay tight and compact, but hard closeouts and do a good job of making people shoot contested shots. Okay, and and we'll flip now to the offense because this looks like a really selfless basketball team with a lot of players giving of themselves. I see six averaging in double figures between 12.9 and 10.9 per game. You hardly ever see six players on any team in double figures. Yeah, that's a that's a credit to this group. I mean, they're they they really do like each other. You know, I, I, I don't know. I've coached some teams where two of our best players didn't really like each other. And, and mm. we still had success in one because when they got on the basketball court, they would they would do whatever it took to help the team win. But this group, they really like being around each other. They hang out off the court. Uh, you know, there's a different different bond to it. It's not to say you can't still have six guys in double figures like that, but it just makes it better. I mean, and, and we even have some guys that aren't in the top six that have led us in scoring. Jemiah Simmons is one guy. We played Hawaii. I mean, he went for 20-something, I think. And, and you know, he's he's a guy that ha- we haven't got going. But if you would have watched us play this summer, you would have thought he was one of our top three players. So, you know, I, that's a, that is a credit to this group because they do value each other. Uh, Mike Miller, who's a senior who was, wasn't one of the guys average double figures, went for 35 the other day. And everybody doused him with water in the locker room. Just a, <laughs> it's a fun group. They yeah. they just I think what they ultimately value is winning, and uh, they like to see everybody win. And that's where you, you can kind of have that kind of that kind of numbers uh, uh, balance and, and scoring uh, spread out amongst the whole team. You know, we're talking about. Uh 
how many players you can get involved. Now, I know Ryan Wooldridge is your leading scorer. You've got Zachary Simmons and Jordan Duffy. Those, those three guys have started every game. Talk about them collectively, and are they the nucleus of the team? You know what? With, with this team, th- those three guys have definitely uh, been extremely consistent in their approach to winning. And um, I think what, what's, made us, what's made us good is those are the guys that, you know, are in positions where they're, where they're handling the ball in key areas the most. You know, where, where Ryan and Jordan Duffy play off a majority of the ball screens that we have, and Zach handles a majority of the load when the ball gets into the paint. So just three huge decision makers in regards to our offense. And they all are, 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 you know, learning to score in those roles also. And so uh, that's where they're big to our team because they're all involved in, in scoring plays that leads to other people's opportunities. And then you look at Jordan Duffy and, and, and Ryan Woolridge, and they're both two guys that lead us in assists too. So definitely um, three keys to our team are, are those, those guys and the way they, they handle the scoring load. And I wanted to mention Umoja Gibson. I, I know he's in the top 100 uh, in three-point field goals per game and the three-point field goal percentage at 43%. How do you fashion your three-point attack? Uh, you know, we've we've honestly kind of struggled with it at times, even really? though we've got a we've got a majority of guys who really feel comfortable shoot uh, towed up shots. The problem with us has kind of been we're not a we're not a, a tall group and so you know we got to have a little space to get them off so do you shoot semi-contested ones from three on penetrating pitch outs or do you or or or, or you know or do you uh, uh on driving kicks when people start backing up shoot them i mean we've got so many guys that are capable of shooting threes it's almost like we've shot them a little too early there therefore our shooting percentage has gone down even though they're capable and that's what's hard. I mean, I think that's the balance of offense is trying to find a way to be aggressive, specifically on the offensive end where you're attacking and put defenses on their heels, but also where you're still giving yourself an opportunity to make a simple play where a guy can catch it and and be on balance and, and make an open shot. Just that, just that, you know, that balance between being aggressive but also trying to make a simple play and involve your teammates. So for me – you know, what we've tried to do is emphasize, you know, running actions where you can score uh, the basketball on some quick hitters and then if not, really make people guard in the half court and try to get a great look based off of inside-out play and penetration and ball screen motion-ish. But one place I thought we've been really good is transition offense and getting quick looks and, and being open from three. Sometimes that bites us because we shoot a little quick, but it's been uh, it's been good so far. Last question, Coach. Conference USA, the depth in it, I think, get, has gotten better here, especially over the last five years uh, as it changed. Talk about the scheduling implementation. How do you like kind of reshuffling the deck and starting, you know, if right now you'd be in the top four or five teams, obviously, I think. So how do you like the reshuffle and the reschedule in mid-February? Well, I think the, 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 hard, the hard part 
for our league to me is basically how do we how, how do we make the schedule where everybody plays everybody mm-hmm. and and where there's a, a long-term understanding of who gets to play everybody twice you know because we've got 14 teams so you can't play everybody twice so something we're not in divisions either. So I like this scheduling philosophy, and I know it's going to be difficult at the end because you're not going to necessarily know who you play. But but you couldn't. There was there wasn't a way for us to know who we're going to play anyways. We just reshuffled the deck every year and said this is who we're going to play twice, and it didn't have necessarily a rhyme or a reason. So I like this scheduling model because it may prove beneficial from an RPI stand. I mean, from a net standpoint of having some more quality games for to for seeding purposes. I don't know if we can get two teams in, but I do think it could help with seeding purposes in the NCAA tournament for more quality opportunities for whoever's really good in the league. But in the end, you play everybody once, maybe home or away, and then you flip it the next year, and you play your travel partner twice, which in our case is Rice. And then after that, how you play determines who you play the last four games. And seeding is kind of based set somewhat. And then, so, I, I mean, I like it. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's the answer, but I do know it's a better answer than what we had, and I'm excited to see how it works out, and I think everybody is. Coach Grant McCasland, our special guest here on the Marching to Madness College Basketball Podcast. He has the mean green almost ready to surf uncharted waters as that 14-1 start is tied now for the best in history. Uh, you grab a win tomorrow, and uh, the ship is really in a different sea, Coach. Yeah, well, we're just going to try to we're going to try to go play hard and play possession basketball and see if we can find a way to win the tip. Then we'll go from there. All right, that was the conversation with North Texas head coach Grant McCaslin. As I mentioned earlier, uh, they did talk uh, shortly after uh, the game against Louisiana Tech, so uh, that's why there was a little bit of uh, the lapse there in between. But again, another big win and only adds to the win total uh, for North Texas. They were talking about fourteen and one. Well, now they're fifteen and one. Uh, and really feeling good about themselves as they head into that game uh, that I talked about earlier against UTEP. Uh, Back-to-back road games coming up uh, at UTEP Thursday and then at UTSA on Saturday. So they will try to keep the momentum going. Uh, Conference USA, as we continue to talk about, uh, lots of fun basketball being played in there right now, and you've got a lot of very intriguing teams uh, that want to try to make this a multiple-bid league, uh, as we've said many times with the new scheduling format and seeing how things unfold. Uh, with that. So uh, thanks again to North Texas head coach Grant McCaslin for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Go to iTunes, search for Marching to Madness, subscribe for free. Get all these episodes delivered to you as soon as they go up. Uh, if you want written stuff, you can find that over at collegehoopswatch.com. Ken's got stuff going up over there uh, as well. And we continue to have more interviews on the way with coaches and analysts all throughout the country. Uh, we are now into conference play. Uh, we know that's when excitement really starts to crank up so a lot of good basketball being played and a lot more to come on the road to march so thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next time